Thank you for the students and their willingness to lead in worship. We're continuing in a series that we started last week with thanks and giving, uh, truly looking at the heart of thanks and how at the heart of thanks, how that leads us to a heart and a desire to be generous, to give. Um, And not necessarily, we're not talking about financially giving to the church, but just uh, having a heart that is is giving. Um, And I believe that thankfulness... Uh, And I I hope that you would agree, but I believe that thankfulness is so much deeper than just saying, hey, high five, thank you. Uh, I just, I I think that we often use that term, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, whatever it is, but I think that there's so much, there's, there's so much more depth to being thankful and having that heart of thankfulness than, than oftentimes how we uh, utilize that, that phrase or that statement on a regular basis. Last week, we looked at being thankful in our salvation and how truly in that thankfulness, if we are thankful in our salvation, how that can propel us into genuinely every other aspect and every other area of our life. And so regardless of what we do, if I, as a believer, if I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and that is where I'm, I'm thankful in that, not just simply stating, oh, I thank God that he forgave me, and I thank God that, oh, God is gracious, and God is, but genuinely having that, uh, that heart, the depth of that in our hearts, if you will, that we are genuinely thankful for God's grace and we're genuinely thankful for God's mercy and that God loves us, how really that can push us and sustain us because the reality is this. I am thankful for a lot of things, but there's only one God that is uh, sustaining. There's only one God that is, is, is sovereign over all things. There's only uh, that one God. And so if I'm thankful, as we'll look at even today, and I lose pieces of my life, am I still thankful? See, I believe that we live in a great country I believe that part of the detriment of our country and the wealth of our country is that we have become, we've become so accustomed to thankfulness when God has blessed. So I am receiving things, the work is good, the things that I have are great, and so now I'm thankful. But when things aren't the way that we want them to be, Work isn't what I want it to be. Finances aren't the way that I want it. I didn't get the promotion. I can't buy the new house. I can't get the new car. I don't have the things that I want. Then all of a sudden it's like, well, um, you know, I, I, how's, how, how are things going? Well, it's all right. Well, why is it all right? Well, it's because our, the things aren't what we want them to be. But God is amazing when the promotion is there, and God is amazing when the new car is in the driveway, well, you know, what's wrong? Well, I didn't get the raise. So you're not thankful in life because you didn't get a raise? Well, if you're a believer, at the heart of our thankfulness is salvation and who he is, not what we have. And so as we get into today, and we begin to look at that, I believe, at the same point, that's, that's trickled into our churches. Because it's trickled into us as believers, but it's also in the church realm. Man, God is good. We just had, our attendance went from 300 to 600 this year. God is amazing. Hey, how's your church going? Well, you know, we're going all right. Because my attendance didn't go up this year. God is okay. Our programs didn't grow in the manner that we wanted them to grow. So God, I mean, God is good. He's been, he's sustained us. That's our, that's how we present ourselves. And it's because of, I I genuinely believe sometimes it's the heart of thankfulness. Am I thankful in everything? We'll get into that next week. But at the heart of it, it's salvation. And even today, worship is at the heart of thanks. Today, I want to continue, really, again, at the heart of all of it, our salvation being the start, being the foundation of that, and then really, as we dive into worship, again, worship being, I can worship God uh, in, in the quietness of my bedroom. I can worship God in the, the, the joy of coming together with everybody, 
But you know, I can, at the heart of worship, it has nothing to do with what you have. It has nothing to do with where you're at. It has everything to do with the relationship that you have with God. There can be a thousand, there can be 10,000. We could fill the new arena, the new stadium, if we're ever able to fill the new stadium. I don't know. But it could be in that 70,000 seat arena or stadium full of believers. But if I don't have a walk with God and I have no relationship with God, yes, I'm going to shout it out. Yes, I'm going to do those things. But there's genuinely the worship aspect of that. The emotion is awesome, but the worship comes back to my relationship with him. And so as we look at this today, at the heart of this, the foundation of our thanks has to be worship. Because worship, again, has nothing to do with the stuff. It has everything to do with the relationship and the obedience to God. So worship is at the heart of thanks. And though we don't see the words thank you in the passage of scripture that we're gonna look at this morning, and some of you are going to go, uh, you've already looked at your little notes and you're like, Job, that's a great thankful book. <laughs> but I believe at the heart of it, and we'll see this in chapter number one, at the heart of the man, there was a thankful heart because it was full of a compassion, a love, a worship of who God was or who God is, I should say. And so as we look at that is where we will be this morning. Job chapter 1, we're going to kind of go through the entire chapter. Um, I'm going to read just a couple verses this morning to start us off, and then we'll kind of pick through the entire chapter this morning. But Job chapter 1 and verses number 20, 20 through 22, we'll read this morning, and then we'll get into the points. Then Job arose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Excuse me. And <laughs> did I just do that? <laughs> oh, Lordy, Lordy, Lordy. In all this, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. I've been doing this for too long, and that was the first time that's ever happened. Sorry. I, I guess I'll be thankful for my own ridiculousness and how foolish that was right there. Father, we thank you for the day that you've given to us, and we thank you for gathering together. And Lord, I just pray that, God, you would just use this this morning to... Just speak to the hearts of people. Uh, God, that your word would, would speak, and God, that you would be glorified. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. All right, so Job chapter one. The first thought this morning is Job's foundation. See, Job was a worthy man. Job was a man of great notoriety. Job was a man that had a great reputation, a man who lived in the land of Uz. He was a man whose God, uh, really God used him as a remnant right where he was. And it says this in these first few verses. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. The man was perfect. He was upright, one that feared God, one that eschewed evil. He fled evil. He did all that he could to depart from evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, and a very great household. So that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses. Everyone his day and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. We see a little bit here in the very first couple verses as to who Job was. So who Job was was a man who feared God. 
He was a man who worshipped God, and, and, and based on his worship and based on his fear of God, he governed himself after the rules and the laws and the manners, the obedience of the Lord. He was sincere and perfect. Obviously, again, we understand this. He was not a man that was sinless, but having a respect and an honor of God's commands. He was sound and pure in heart. He had a singleness of mind, if you will to the things of the Father. He was upright in his dealings with God. He was faithful to the promise he had made. He was steady in his counsel. The fear of God reigned in his heart. And I think if we were to, if we were to just bottle up Job, I guess you would say, in one little thought, I think I would put it in this idea or this statement that Job feared God. And out of a fear of God, out of that genuine fear and, and love and, and honor and admiration of who God is, his life then showed that. See, I think in our culture and in our lives, I think we have, and I've talked of this in the last, really last couple months, that we have oftentimes left out the fear of God. We just speak of it, oh, I, that's, that's love, and that's just respect, and that's just an honor. No, when you look through Scripture, the men that feared God were brought to their knees. The men who feared God were dropped down to bow at, to humble themselves before an almighty God. And I think we've, we're, we're missing some of that, but we see here that Job had a fear, a holy reverence to who God is. And so I start with all of this this morning at the foundation because that's who Job was. Who Job was was a man that says perfect, upright, feared God, eschewed, fled from, ran from evil. What he had is a whole nother situation. It's a whole nother thing. What he had was pretty awesome. I think all of us would be wanting to have what Job had. Now, we might not look at it. I don't know how many of you want that many animals. But that brought wealth in those days. That was a wealthy thing. So Job had what? He had seven daughters, or seven sons, three daughters, sorry. He had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 oxen, 500 donkey. He had servants for all of them. He had everything anybody at this day and age especially would have desired to have because it was a wealth and a prestige. It says that he was the greatest of all men in the East. He was a, maybe you'd say bigger than life type of a guy. I don't know, but he was a great man. But who he was was more important than what he had. See, God didn't look down and say, all right. Job is the wealthiest, therefore, we're going to use Job for this illustration. No, he looked down and he said what? Job is perfect. Job is upright. Job is a man that fears evil. Job is the one that eschews, uh, or fears God and eschews evil. Job was that guy. Job had a great family. From what we read, we would assume that he raised his family well. They loved and cared for another. They were adults by this time. They're out of the house by this time. And they're all gathering together. And it says that they, the boys or the brothers all gathered and they brought the three girls in and all of the families together. They're all feasting together. They're all doing this together. I don't know about you. I have four children of my own. A prayer of mine is as they grow older, they desire to be together. I hope that they do. How miserable would it be at Thanksgiving time? All right, Madison and Brinley and EJ are here, but everybody hates Riley. Like, that, that's no fun. We don't want that. I was trying to figure out how I could say that. That's, either one that I put in that name was going to, Dad, what do you mean? I'll get that later. But Riley's not in here, so she heard the first service, so it was better. But I want my children to grow up. I have three girls. I want my girls when they're older, when they're having their own children, to pick up the phone and call one another and to be that best friend and to text throughout the day. I want that for my kids. I'm assuming to some regard that's here. You know, the more, important, the more importantly, I want my kids to love God. It speaks of that here, that, that Job 
Job had a spiritual desire for his children as well. It said that he did so continually in verse number five, that he offered and he, he sent and sanctified them and rose up in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them. And it says that he did so continually. He desired that they would honor God. I desire all of those things. And I would say that probably everybody that sits in this room today would desire the same thing for their children. Whether they're in your house or they're, they're adults, whatever it is that your desire is that. And as we look at this, we begin to see a foundation of who Job was. His trust, his faith of who God was. And as simple as this is this morning, as simple as this is, when it comes to you and I being thankful, that worship being at the heart of thanks, we see in this man a foundation that was not on the things that he had. It was not on the quote-unquote blessings that God had given to him because the reality is just because I have a new car doesn't mean that that's a blessing from God. We understand that. But it's because he was perfect and upright. He, he feared God and he hated, he left, he fled evil. And I wonder what our foundation is today. I would ask what your foundation is today. Because the foundation is going to, as we get into this second point, Job's battle, the foundation is what's going to keep you when life gets a little not so good. Job had a life that kind of took a tank, to say the least. But yet, what we see here is that Job still had a heart of worship. That Job still honored God because Job feared God because that was the foundation of it all. Job's battle, if we look at verses 6 through 19, I'm not going to read through every one of those verses, but we see here that Job was in most people's eyes blessed by God and thus his stuff was secure. In the Old Testament, a lot of that was uh, when you had wealth, that was a, a, a form or a showing of the blessing of God. And Job had all of those things. And so most people would say, oh, they'll never lose it all. They're just lucky. Their kids and their grandkids and their great-grandkids, they're good forever. Nothing will ever happen. We see verses 6 through 11 right off the get-go there was a day, it says in 6, when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto, unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God? For not. Hast not thou made an hedge about him? Have you not protected him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. Satan says, again, we don't know the, the whole context of what this is. There's several different people that would say different things, but, it, but we know this. Satan uh, came to with these uh, sons of God, and we don't know who the sons of God are. We, uh, there's assumptions whether those are... Uh, spiritual leaders that had come together and, and the enemy was there just to distract and disturb or maybe in Job chapter 30, 38 it speaks of when the morning stars sent together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, the angels and worship. Uh, we just, there's, there's a couple different things that come into there but regardless of what it is, Satan says, I'm just, I'm hanging out. I'm roaming. What does it say in the New Testament? He is roaming he is seeking whom he can devour he is just there he just the enemy is just there kind of hovering and just waiting to pounce waiting to destroy waiting to deceive waiting to to kill it says kill steal and destroy the enemy that's all that he just says hey i'm just kind of hanging out i'm looking who i can destroy next and 
God just kind of says, hey, have you thought about Job? See, the, the really cool part of this story is, I don't know that it's really cool because it's kind of bad, but the cool part of this is we're reading this passage of Scripture from like, this happened a long time ago, and we're getting to see God having a conversation with Satan, the enemy, over Job, and Job has no idea what's going on. He's not hearing this conversation. Job's just going about his day. Job's like, hey, my life is good. Look at my kids. They're having a party. They're having a good time. Life is good. Look at all my animals. All the while, Satan and God are upstairs going, all right, let's, let's get that guy. God says, as you considered him, the same thing takes place right now. Because the enemy, the fight that we fight is not, God's word says, it's not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities. And the fight that we are in, the things that we are facing, the things that that is, is God allowing aspects of this. And, and Satan is there trying to destroy, wanting to destroy. And he's, God says, hey, have you considered him? Why did he say, have you considered him? Because he has wealth? No, because he was an upright, perfect man who feared God, who fled and would eschew and hated evil. Today, the thing that we have, and I would encourage you with as we kind of walk through this, is we have an advocate who goes to the Father on our behalf. See, as we go through this story, you know it, most of you know it, but as you go through the story in verse number 13, and there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house, and there came a messenger Unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped. Verse 16 While that messenger was speaking, another one comes and says, What? The fire of God has fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants. And consumed them. Verse 17, And while yet that guy was speaking, there also came another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants. All of his animals and all of the servants, just like that, are gone. And now he says this. It says this in verse number 18, And while he was speaking, there came another and said, Thy sons... Thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. In the midst of all of this, Satan is coming in, and Satan is allowed to do some of these things. But Satan had said this, but God... If I take everything from him, he will curse you. I would say to us today, there's a lot of things going on in our world. There's a lot of fight. There's a lot of up and down. There's a, lot of a, there's a spiritual battle that is taking place everywhere, all around us. But I wonder, I wonder what our response is. I wonder if we are aware and if we are reminded or if we are in a place where our foundation is solid enough that we would take a step back and yes, we would hurt. Yes, we would cry. Yes, there's all of these emotional things that take place. But if we would take a step back and re be reminded that God is a sovereign God. God is a God who allowed Satan to do what Satan does. Do you realize, I think sometimes we forget this, Satan only has the power that God has allowed him to have. He can only be at one place at one time. He is not all-powerful and omniscient and all-knowing like our God is. He only can do what God allows him to do. Sometimes I think we forget that. I don't know how many times I've heard this, oh, pastor, Satan is just attacking me right now. Sometimes I want to go, are you sure about that? Maybe you're giving Satan a little bit too much credit. Sometimes we need to step back and go, uh, okay, never mind. I made a really stupid decision. 
And uh, that's the consequence of my really dumb decision. But God is sovereign. And sometimes we forget that. Satan said, God, Job likes you because you pay him to. You have a contract. This is basically, in essence, what this is speaking. You have a contract with him. You protect and you prosper him and he obeys you. You, God, have to pay off the people to worship you. You are no God at all, is basically what Satan says. And God's just like, all right, there, take him, do what you need to do. And I know at this point, for some, you might be looking and thinking, what does this have to do with thanks? And we'll get to that place in just a second. But at the heart of thankfulness, at the heart of it all, is this heart of worship. And if our foundation is set that I am who I am in Him, because of that, I can be solid, I can be firm, I can have a foundation that I'm not going to be shaken. Yes, there will be things that come up that will cause us to hurt and cause us to have questions and cause those things. But as we look at this, the battle that was raging on in Job's life didn't completely crumble him because his foundation wasn't in the things that he had. His foundation was in who he was in And we see that in the last point this morning, that Job's worship. All of this has taken place. All of this has taken place, and here's what absolutely should blow all of our minds. Because in verse 20 and 21, he hears all of this news. His world, if you will, has kind of crumbled around him. He just lost all of his animals. He lost all of his wealth. He lost his children. And it says, Then Job arose, rent or tore off his clothes, his his robe, his mantle, shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. I'm just going to be honest and real, and I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I don't know that I would sit and bow down and worship if God happened to literally take basically everything from me. I don't know. I would, love to th- I would love to stand before you and say, as a pastor, if God wiped my house out and God took my four children and God took everything from me, I'm going to stand before you and just worship God. I'm also a human being, and I think there's a part of me that would probably be really angry. But as we look at this pastor's scripture... The man who Job was, the foundation of who Job was, enabled him to walk through a battle, to face a battle. And this isn't even, this is the beginning. Most of you, again, know the story of Job. It, this is the beginning. Chapter 2, there's more. Chapter 3, there's more. Chapter 4, I mean, it, it continues for, this is a long book. But who Job was at the foundation of who he was, enabled him to face a battle. And Satan said this, if you take it all, he will curse you. Job walked through it. Job took off his robe. He tore his robe, shaved his head, which is a very common practice of mourning in in this day and age. But he didn't ever curse God. Rather, he bowed. (laughs) I don't know if he went to his knees. I think I would probably just fall upon my face. But he bowed his head, and it said that he worshiped. 
he worshipped. Again, we're talking about thanks, and we look at this this morning, and there's nowhere in this passage of Scripture he doesn't say thank you. But at the heart of the, the mess that he just faced, and at the heart of everything that was going on in his life, he humbled himself and bowed before an almighty God and said, God, naked I came in, and naked shall I go. You give and you take away. I don't know Church, I do not know if I could stand before you today and say, God, you gave me four beautiful children, and yes, you took them. You give and you take. God, I guess I came in with nothing, and I'll go out with nothing, but you're amazing. I, I, I pray that I would be in such a manner. And it doesn't say that he didn't cry. It doesn't speak that he didn't weep. It doesn't speak that he didn't have mourning. It doesn't speak of any of those things. But it says that he worshipped God. I just, I ask you this morning and I think about this whole storyline and I think in our thankfulness is at the core, the foundation of our life a heart of worship because I'm in such a relationship with God that I love God to the place that I would say, God, here is everything. And God, if you take it all from me, you still have me. See, God never asks for anything but you. I've said this countless times here. He doesn't want your talent. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want... Anything except for you. When he has you, all the rest will fall into place. But he just wants you. Nowhere has God been like, oh man, I'm so thankful that Aaron can sing. And I'm so thankful that he's not afraid to speak before people. And I'm so thankful that he's great looking. And I'm so... (laughs) Nowhere did God reach down and be like, yes, uh, this guy right here. Nope, none of it. Really, all that he wants is for me that I'd be willing to pour myself out and say, God, I'm a mess. And if you can do something with this, here I am. That's all that he wants. And Job had every bit of prestige. The greatest of all men in the East is what it says. And what do we see? We see that Job worshipped. We see that Job humbled himself. He fell in submission to the will of God. We see that Job, in the midst of all of this, gave God the glory. He worshipped. I believe at the heart of our thanksgiving and worship is humility. Because it's not about me. If I can genuinely be thankful for you and thankful for stuff and thankful for these things, there's a humility aspect of thankfulness. And Job humbly gave God glory and worshiped him. He humbly acknowledged the hand of God. You know what I believe sometimes we're not thankful because we just can't simply acknowledge the hand of God. God, you brought me here with nothing. If I have to go back with nothing, I'm thankful that you gave me what you gave me and you've taken it away. What I have at the heart of my being, could I, could I genuinely go before God and say, God, I'm thankful for the things that you've given me and the season that you've given to me. I don't understand why you took it, but I'm thankful for it and I acknowledge The hand of God. See, I believe sometimes in our churches, I believe in our world, I believe in our society, we have gotten to the place where we can't acknowledge because if it's not a constant blessing, then we're not constantly thankful. And unless everything is just perfect in our world, we just aren't thankful. 
And right now, because 2020 is horrible and it's, it's miserable and all of the things that are going on in 2020, listen, it stinks. But do you realize if you stop and think and just look at what God has done and what God is doing in and around our culture and our society, there's so much to be thankful for because our thankfulness ought not be what I have. My thankfulness ought to be for the salvation that I have. And regardless of anything, I can worship him because he is God. That's it. I, though, have a problem. You know what the problem is? Me. Because I'm unhappy. Because I didn't get a big enough phrase. And I am unhappy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm unhappy because of my, my house situation. I don't have the house that I want. I don't have the this. I don't have the that. And oh, I said it last week. We have the pity syndrome all over us all the time. Why? If you love Jesus Christ and you have a relationship with God, there is no reason in the world to live a pitiful life. He is good. That's where we are. Do you know why? Our heart of thankfulness is based on the stuff that we have. And you don't think Satan knew it? <laughs> what did he do? Hey, God, God, take it away from him. He's just going to curse you. Because that's what we do. That's what we do. We have to acknowledge the hand of God. And he adored God and fell and worship. Hardships and afflictions must not divert us from our worship and from our thankfulness. Rather, it ought to draw us closer to Him. Listen, this morning, I'm not saying that if a loved one passes or something bad, some circumstance takes place, I am not saying that there can't be a tear that is shed, that there can't be a hurt, that there can't be those things. I'm not saying that at all this morning. Because at the heart of this, if you look at all of it, what did it say? He tore his clothes and he mourned. That's what that was. The tearing of the clothes and the shaving of the head, that was a mourning that was what they did. We see all of this and sometimes I think that we misplace that thought no there's going to be mourning but that doesn't mean that I can't have worship and be thankful and give of myself because at the end of the day it's not about those things I pray that I never have to face anything like Job. I pray that I don't ever have to bury one of my children or lose one of my children or my wife. Or a grandchild one day. Or, shoot, I don't want to do that with my parents. But I also pray that my joy in my life, as much as they all bring joy to my life, that they aren't the joy of my life. Does that make sense? Man, my family is, is a lot to me. But my family can't be the ones that sustain me. God has to be the one that sustains me. His word has to be the one that's nourishing me and filling me and feeding me with what I need every single day. The reality is there's certain things that I face that my wife will not be able to help me with other than just saying, Aaron, I love you and I'm here beside you and I'm praying for you. And vice versa. There's things that she faces that I won't be able to, to do what I need to do for her other than just put my arms around her and say, I love you, babe. Because that's only between her and God. There's things in your life that nobody can walk, every, we can walk beside you as just a cheerleader, but we won't understand it because that's between you and God. And that's something that God gave you. Our sustaining 
joy and power and strength and comfort has to come from him and when it comes from him yes the times will be hard yes we will cry yes we will have those things but we will also be able to pull it all off bow our feet or bow our knees before an almighty God and say God I worship you and God I may not understand why you've brought me to this place and I may not understand why you gave it and now you took it away but God I'm coming before you in my pain and in my brokenness and I'm saying what God I worship you I honor you I'm humbled before you God maybe at some point in my life I'll be able to understand why but God for now all I can do is trust you and honor you and humbly bow before you to say God I know that you are God and you're sovereign and over all things At the heart of thanks has to be worship. And I wonder this morning, is the foundation of your life set on him and worship of him? I said it this morning to the 830 service, being a little vulnerable to them because it's, it's just not something that you typically say as a pastor. But the 830 service for a really long time was a struggle for me. If you speak in front of people or you do anything in front of people, one of the things that is a driving force of that is the energy that you get from the room and from the people. If you teach, if you do anything, there's a, there's a feedback, there's an energy that comes from that. For a really long time, our praise team, myself, it was like you'd come in at 8.30, and I'm not, I don't know how to explain it other than this is the look. It was something like this. And it was like, it was like everybody in the group, in the room was just kind of like, all right, if you could be the alarm clock this morning, then maybe we'll get like from here to here. We might. You know, it's, we're, we're still doing one of these. It was hard it was hard to teach. It was hard to lead in music. It was, it was hard, and I, I struggled, and I wrestled, and the praise team people that are out here are laughing because we joked about it. It was, it was like funeral. It was bad. But here's what hit me, and I grabbed the group that was up here one Sunday, and I, it was like driving in I'm here somewhere around 7 o'clock every Sunday morning, 6.45, 7-ish. And I'm on my way in, and I'm thinking those same thoughts at 8.30 service. Oh, man. All right, get up. Get up. You can do it. You can do it. All right, let's go, Aaron. Come on. You know, doing you know, pump. You're all like, now you're like, well, this guy's an idiot. But I'm like trying to psych myself up, and it was like God just like did one of those, like, whoops. And he said this. I didn't like hear it audibly, but this is what came to my mind. If you can worship in the quietness of your room, and if you can drive in your car and scream a song out or worship him quietly in your car or obnoxiously in your car, then with the 20 to 30 people that are there at 8.30, you can worship him or me. And it was like, hey, dummy. Like the light bulb clicked in my head, and I'm like, what? And I said something to the group that day, and honestly, it was almost as like a, just such a light switch went off in my head. But I say to us this morning, we sometimes feel like we have to have this whatever for our worship. Things have to be in place. The music has to be right. If it's not the right uh, beat to the song, or if it's not loud enough, or if it's too loud, or if it's this, or if it's that, if my, my morning routine is messed up, and if this is messed up, and if that is messed up, and my kids are crazy, and my, my, my wife or my husband doesn't do this or that, or blah, 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 I can't worship. No, God says, just, just, just worship me. Come before my throne humbly and worship me. Because that's what I want. This morning, when we stop and we go, God, I've got a mess. My world is all kinds of a mess. 
God, I just am trying to be a perfect and upright man. I'm trying to do with everything I can. I've, I'm giving it to you. I'm, 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 a, I'm attempting, I'm seeking to, to seek your face and to, that I would fear you and that I would flee from evil. And God, when all of these things happen, I don't understand why it's happening. And in the midst of this battle, I'm just gonna come before you and I'm bowing my head before you. And I say, God, I have to worship because you're worthy of my worship. Can I just say to you, the greatest joy and peace and comfort and whatever other word that you want there that you enjoy, you want to live your life like, when that is set, when my foundation is set, and I just want to worship him all the time, and I'm thankful, my life is completely and radically different. Your life will be completely and radically different. Not perfect, but different. Because it's him giving you what you need and you being in your right place of saying, all right, God, I'm a bozo, (laughs) but this is all I got. And here I am. I'm back again, God. I have no idea what to tell you. I don't know what to do. Here I am. I don't know how to lead my kids. I don't know how to lead my wife. Here I am. I don't know how to lead a church, God. But here I am. I don't know how to be kind to the guy beside me at work. He's a jerk. But God, here I am. I just want to humbly bow myself before you and have a heart of worship Because at the heart of worship, at the heart of thanks, is worship. And in that, man, life is so much different. It's so much different. This morning I ask, where's your foundation? Where's that foundation? How are you doing with your worship? Is worship just Sunday morning because this is what everyone's doing and this is what we call it? Or do you genuinely genuinely worship God? Are you seeking Him? Maybe this morning it's you're seeking something because the things in your world are really disheveled and there's no order and you're here for no other reason than to say, I don't know. I heard somebody talk about church, so I figured I'd come. I really don't know. But I want that calm. I want that peace in my life. I want to learn what it is, what you're even talking about. Maybe that's where you're at. And your calm and your peace and your thankfulness and your worship is is uncertain because you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I would plead with you and I would ask you, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Are you walking with him personally on a daily basis? Believer, there's no reason for us not to be thankful. And there's no reason for us not to say, God, I don't understand, but here I am. I'm laying it down at your feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. I, I truly don't know where all of you are today. And but worship is at the heart of thanks. And as we looked at last week, having thanks in our salvation... When I have that settled, if you will, and I'm thankful for the the grace that God has given to me, giving me that which I do not deserve, that which I have not earned, I can be thankful in that. I can be thankful in the mercy that He has given me. I can be thankful that He has called me into relationship with Him, not because of anything that I've done, but because He loved me and gave Himself for me. 
in that I can be thankful and I can worship. Maybe this morning, you as a believer, you've gotten caught up into the stuff. You've gotten caught up into the things. Job was the greatest of all the men in the East, and you're caught up in the greatest of all the things. And you've lost place of the thankfulness of who He is. You're caught up into what you have and what others think that you are, and you've lost the heart of worship in that and the thankfulness in that. Maybe today it's just simply saying, God, I... I need to come back to you. I'm thankful that you have blessed me with things, but I need to not worry about the things. I need to give you all of me. Would you just take a moment right where you sit? To say, God, here I am. I'm open to what you have for me. Maybe you would say, God, I don't know you. I don't know what it is to have a relationship with you. God, I need you. I want you into my life. God, would you Forgive me of my wrongdoing and my sin. Would you come and be the Lord of my life? Be my Savior. That I can walk in newness of life. That I can walk with you and have that relationship. Father, I come to you today. And Lord, you've been beyond good to us. Father, I, I know personally, for me, there's been so many times in my life where because my worship isn't what it needs to be, I am not thankful where I need to be thankful. Because of all the other areas and things in my life are not where they are needing to be. I'm not grounded in certain aspects. My foundation isn't what it ought to be. Therefore, my worship is not. Therefore, I am not thankful. And I'm unhappy. I'm miserable. Father, draw us back to yourself. Draw us to a place where we are right with you so that our worship and our thanks can be what it ought to be, that you would be glorified in it. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.